Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 12. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Were you with me last week? Jesus was talking to us about the stewardship of possessions. Today, Jesus is going to talk to us about the stewardship of life. I've titled this sermon, The Stewardship of Life. Luke chapter 12, and we pick up our study. We've been in chapter 12 for a really long time. Have y'all noticed that? And we still have, yeah, I'm going to be talking about the return of the Lord today. And I can tell you at this rate, he might return before I finish this chapter. It's going really slow, but it's good stuff in here. That's why we're going slow. And let church say amen. Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 35, Jesus says, Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning, and you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes... And he knocks, that they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you, that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat, and will come and serve them. And if he should come in the second watch, if you're taking notes, you can write this down in your margin. The second watch is 9 p.m. to 12 p.m. If he should come in the second watch, or come in a third watch, that would be midnight to 3 a.m., and find them so, blessed are those servants. But know this in verse 39, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you also be what, saints? Ready. Be what? Ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. And then Peter said to him, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us or to all people? And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward, whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, that he will make him ruler over all that he has. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. Go ahead and peek at again in verse uh, 35. Notice in verse 35, it says, let your waist be girded. Now, this expression uh, of girding the waist or let your waist be girded was a very familiar expression in that culture. Uh, The word girded literally means to tie up your lower garment between your legs as to increase mobility and agility. To tie up your lower garments between your legs to increase mobility 
and agility. So if you had to work in the field or you had to run, you would have to pull up your lower garments and tie them up between your legs and, and thus making like, like shorts. Or like I was telling them in the second service, like kulaks, ladies. Kulaks, right? Are they called kulaks? Scorts. You know, they told me that in second service, that it was scorts. I've never heard of a scort in my life. Is that like a spork? It's, I've never heard of this in my life. It's a skirt and shorts. It's, it's, a, it's kulaks. That's an old word? Kulaks? Am I dating myself? Oh. I'm really not that old. Yeah, it's kulaks. Shorts, you know. So you, you have to pull these things up, and, and, the, and the point is, is to gather this material so that you can move freely and not get entangled or not stumble. Now, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, you write that down. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 tells us that he says, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Today, we would say, roll up your sleeves or cinch up your belt or stop sagging. Y'all know what sagging is. This fashion trend. Who came up with this? It's sagging. Some of y'all don't know what sagging is. Sagging is when, you know, the kids, if you ever see them like in the mall and they got their pants like down low and they're like really down low and then they tighten them up down low. And, they, and they're always walking. They, they walk like this because you can't walk normal. I, I, it's like, what is this sagging thing? I'm like, look. Stop sagging because if you have to run from the cops, you won't get very far. <laughs> amen, say amen. You know, if you got to get away from the cops, <laughs> you can't get very far. But cinch up, cinch up your belt. And Peter says to gird up or cinch up your mind and be prepared. What Peter's saying is to work. Peter's telling us to take hold of your thoughts. Now listen, there's one thing about Christianity. Are you listening? There's one thing about Christianity that you must learn, and it's unfortunate the reason there's so much gossip in the church is because Christian folk have not learned to gird up their minds. You've got to gird up your mind because, listen, that's where the battle is. And it's sad that Satan has defeated many Christians, and there are many casualties on the battlefield of the mind. You've got to take hold of your thoughts, Mr. and Mrs. Christian. Say amen. amen. Second Corinthians, this is a great verse. Second Corinthians 10, verse 4 through 6. As a matter of fact, I got it on the screen. It's so important. Let's read it together. Second Corinthians 10, 4. Notice it says, For though we walk in the flesh, read it with me, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. And notice the next part, casting down imaginations, or pardon me, arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and do what? Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and be ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. You've got to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We all need to gird up our minds because that's where the spiritual warfare happens. The battle is in the mind. 
The battle is for your thoughts. Satan will cause you to think things you shouldn't think, to think of people in a way you shouldn't be thinking about them, to think people are looking at you in a way that they shouldn't be looking at you. You know, one time I remember this person came up to me, this individual, and said, Pastor Rodney, is everything okay? Everything fine? Everything okay? I said, yeah, everything's, everything's great. Everything's fine. And they said, uh, they said, I said, why? They said, oh, because, you know, the other day you were looking at me kind of funny. And I said, who are you? <laughs> like, oh, you were just kind of looking funny. I'm like, I wasn't looking at you funny. And guess what? You're not that important. People think, oh, everybody's looking at me. Ain't nobody looking at you. You think you're so important, like everybody's looking at me. Nobody cares about you, okay? Isn't that great to say in church? Nobody cares about you. Jesus cares about you, but no one else. I'm just kidding. We got to gird up our thoughts. So, you know, Satan would have you to be thinking, oh, everybody's looking at me, or people think this about me, or that person thinks that about me, or you think things about other people. Or Satan starts telling you, hey, go ahead and commit suicide. Nobody really cares. Or God doesn't love you. Or, you know, you came and you got saved on, at Dorton Arena and you walked down the aisle, but, you know, that wasn't real. I mean, that was just a moment. You know, that wasn't real. You got to take control of your thoughts. The Bible says in Romans 12, 1, 2, and 3, Therefore, present your body a living sacrifice, holy unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world. Are you listening? Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. You've got to have your mind transformed. And let me tell you something. The only way to get your mind transformed is not to wish that your mind is transformed. The way to get your mind transformed is not to pray, Lord, transform my mind. So often Christians, you know, we're like, oh, well, let's just pray about that. Somebody asks you to do something. Well, I'll pray about it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, just give me a minute. I just need to pray about that. I need to pray about this. Listen, we want to pray about everything and spiritualize everything. And Lord, I need, Lord, you transform my mind. Listen, there is only one way to have your mind transformed, and that is to know the Word of God. When you put the Word of God in your mind, are you listening? I'm trying to help you. If you put the Word of God in your mind, get that garbage out of your mind by replacing it with the Word of God, your mind will be transformed. And you will begin to walk in the Spirit. And you will begin to, to, to feel more holy and to feel more sanctified and to, feel like, and to know that God loves you. And to know that your salvation is secure. Are you listening? And to know that you're born again. The battle is all for the mind. Seriously, it's not even for your heart. It really is for the mind. Because what you think will, will direct and determine how you walk. Can I get a witness from anybody? Thank you. All right. That's the truth. So Jesus is saying in Luke 12, 35, he says, live your life without getting snagged up and tripped up and caught up and tied up with the things of this world and let your lamps be burning because this is a dark world we live in. Let your light shine. We know the song. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it what, saints? This little light of mine. I'm going to let it. You got to go, shine. I don't think the song is right unless you do that, shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it, let it, 
Let it. Let it. Ooh. It ain't right if you don't do that. Hide it under a bushel. It's no, okay? Hide it under a bushel. I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. I was just kidding. Calm down, people. Now, if you don't know that song, God loves you anyway. Everyone knows that song. Now, why is it important to keep your lamps burning or keep your light shining? Listen, because you can be ready. Watch this. You're going to love it. You can be ready for work all day long, but if you don't have the proper equipment, such as illumination, your readiness doesn't matter. You can have the inward willingness to serve God, but not have the illumination you need to serve well. Psalm 119, 105, you know it well. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my what? Path. In other words, you need the word of God to effectively do the work of God. And too often people are serving God without the knowledge of the word of God. Notice in verse 36, and you need to live like humans who are waiting for their master. When he returns from the wedding, he comes and he knocks and they open immediately. Now, in the Middle East, listen, weddings were usually done at night. When the bridegroom would come to the house with his bride, his servants had to prepare the house and make everything ready. And the servants themselves had to be girded and ready when they came home. And the servants would treat the bride and the groom like a king and a queen. And so the servants needed to be ready at all times because the bridegroom could come at any time. Got a pen? Did you know that there are 260 chapters in the New Testament? And Jesus' return is mentioned approximately 318 times in those chapters. That's one verse in 25 that mentions the Lord's return. You see, when you're expecting the return of Jesus, you know what it does? It alters your attitudes and your actions, and it alters your relationship with the physical. Notice in verse 37, Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. I say to you, he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and to serve. The return of Jesus, listen, and perhaps you will agree by round of applause. I believe that Jesus Christ could come at any moment. I believe in the eminent return of Jesus. And it's very interesting because every so many years, listen, every so many years, somebody writes a book or comes out with a DVD or a book or whatever to tell us when Jesus is coming. Now, we believe he's coming at any moment, but the Bible is very clear that no man knows the hour nor the day. But these guys, they write books and they, you know, I call them date setters who are really upsetters because they write books and they, they try to date Jesus' return. There was this one guy by the name of Edgar Wisenot, and he wrote this book. I know, I just got that second service. Actually, I said that like, this is my, this is my fourth time saying it, but get, Wisenot, this guy, uh, he wrote this book called 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming in 1988. And when, G- and when he didn't come in 88, he then wrote... 89 reasons why Jesus is coming in 1989. 
No man knows the day nor the hour. And I actually read, get this, I read that uh, this guy, the same guy, Edgar Wisenot, he got all these people excited to go to Israel for the Feast of Trumpets. And when the trumpet, he told them when the trumpet blasts, they were going to all be caught up in the rapture and they were going to be caught up from Israel. Come to learn that sometime later, this guy, or uh, we learn later, that this guy uh, had actually bought round trip tickets going to Israel. Okay, in case that went over your head, that means that he didn't believe what he was preaching. He told these people, we're going to get raptured from Israel. Well, if that be the case, why didn't you buy a one-way ticket? Uh, Say amen, church. Goodness gracious. He didn't believe it. No man knows the day nor the hour. Now, with all that said, let me tell you when he's really coming. Just joking. Anytime. Look at verse 39 in your Bibles. If the master of the house would have known what hour the thief would come, he wouldn't have allowed his house to be broken into. Now, just by show of hands, be honest. You're in church. Be honest. Show of hands. Have you ever had your home robbed? Your home robbed. Okay, that's actually a significant number of people. I had, we, some years ago, we had our home. We were living in Southern California, Oceanside, California, backs up right up to Camp Pendleton. And we had our house robbed on Christmas Eve. It was, the wor- I mean, honestly, all our presents was wrapped, everything. We lived in Oceanside, California. And our house was robbed on Christmas Eve. That was one time. And then another time our home was robbed, but we actually had been robbed. Probably we were getting robbed like every six months in this house. I'm serious. We're going to an insurance company. They're like, oh, you got to be kidding me. And I'm like, no, no, we really got robbed. No, you guys got a scam going on. No, we don't. We really did get robbed. We got robbed like every six months. At one point, we we came home from this one time. I'll never forget it. And uh, apparently the thieves had come through the back and uh, they pushed a couch up to the front door. So, you know, you put your key in, you turn the doorknob, and you push, and you get a little resistance, so you push, push, and push. And finally got in the house and realized we had been robbed. I go to my wife's dresser drawer, and she had some jewelry up there, and the jewelry was gone. And, uh, and even then, we went in the kitchen, and the kitchen was ransacked, went in the freezer, and y'all, they had stole the chicken. <laughs> now, you know they were some ghetto thieves. Did you hear what I said? Get toe. You know you ghetto when you stealing and you're hungry. <laughs> I'm like, what? You couldn't have left a chicken. Take the jewels, sell them, and buy your own chicken. They stole the chicken. And then, honestly, what was the most shocking thing about the whole scenario was that we had this German shepherd who wasn't a thoroughbred. And <laughs> Hallelujah. He wasn't a thoroughbred, so we, um, so I told Alvaro, I'm like, okay, the chicken's gone, the jewels are gone, and the most shocking thing to me is that the dog is running around happy. I'm like, what in the world is going on? I'm thinking the dog is happy. Look, when I come in the house, listen to me, when I come in the house and I realize my house has been robbed, I'm expecting to see, because I have a German shepherd. I'm expecting to see bodies laying around the house. I'm expecting either that or the dog is dead or something, but there needs to be altercation. But if I walk in the house and, and, and my dog is jumping around happy, probably show the thieves where the jewels were. He probably's like, which way? Do this way. I'm like, when I see that, it's time for that dog to go. 
Let me tell you something. That dog was gone within the hour. I'm like, I am not feeding a dog who lets my house get robbed. <laughs> Did y'all hear what I said? Oh, you feed yours, okay? Uh-uh. I told Elvira, I said, look, I'm not feeding the dog that's going to let people come in my house and rob it. If I had known the thieves were coming, I would have been ready. Verse 40, Jesus says, you be ready because Jesus is coming at an hour that you do not expect. He tells us to be prepared for his coming, which is the most important thing. Listen to me. Being prepared for the coming of the Lord is the most important thing you could be ever, that you ever could be ready for. You know, we get ready for so much stuff, don't we? Vacation, we save, we get everything together, our luggage, our trips, whatever. We get ready to die. Life insurance, we get ready for retirement, 401k. We get ready for so many things. But can I tell you something? Being ready, listen to me. Being ready for the return of the Lord is the most important thing you could ever be ready for. Does anybody agree with that? Most important. The Bible says he's coming at an hour that you do not expect him. He could come at any moment. Now, if you're taking notes, you write this down. In the Bible, there are two comings or two returns of the Lord, of Jesus Christ. First of all, the Bible says he is going to come for the church. Well, that's talking about the rapture. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52. We shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. The twinkling of an eye is a Greek word, atomos, A-T-O-M-O-S, atomos, the smallest glimmer of time in the fraction of a second. In an instant, this corruption will put on incorruption and this mortal will put on immortality. The first coming of the Lord, he's coming for the church. The second time Jesus comes, he's coming with the church. The first coming of Jesus is the rapture of the church, and that could happen at, a, at any moment. And that's the healthiest thing for you to believe. And it's the healthiest thing for you to be prepared for. Why? Because in 1 John chapter 3, verse 3, you write that down. It says, everyone that has this hope of Jesus return purifies himself. The return of Jesus Christ has a purifying effect on your life. Listen to this. Your knowledge of a certain thing will cause you to act a certain way. Your knowledge of a certain thing causes you to behave a certain way. If you're at, on a date at the movie and you believe that Jesus could come any moment, you will keep your hands on the popcorn. Let the church say amen. Your knowledge of a certain thing causes you to act in a certain way. Nothing makes you more cautious driver than to know your license is expired. Amen. You ever notice that when that, amen, it's happened. My license has been expired at one time, not recently. And, uh, but when, when it was, I was a very, I was actually going to the DMV to get it reinstated. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. And um, so, but nothing makes you more a cautious driver than when your license expired. When you realize that your license expired, all of a sudden you're a good Christian driver. Knowing that Jesus could return at any time has an effect on you. Now, listen, I love prophecy, and I love talking about the end times. But we have to understand that the point of prophecy is not that we can sit and ponder the prophetic. The point of prophecy is not to build an eschatological position. 
The point of prophecy is to live like we actually believe that he's coming. Can the church say amen? We should be sober and vigilant and watching and waiting and serving and busy about the business of the kingdom until he comes. Notice in verse 41 through 44, Peter said, Lord, are you talking to us or to everybody? Notice what Jesus said in verse 42. Who then is the faithful and wise steward? So he's talking to stewards. Now, everyone in this room, listen, is a steward of someone or something. A steward is someone who takes care of something that belongs to someone else by definition. So, fellas, you have a wife. You are a steward, listen to me, of God's daughter. Wives, your husband, you are a steward of God's son. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.